at SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. All right. Thank you so much for staying with us. As we know, we are celebrating Women's Month today and the Black Business Council Women Alliance has got a couple of um, things that they've planned for this particular month. But they they just felt it's also very, very important to reflect on what the president had made announcement. Uh, The president had said 40 percent should be set aside of business, uh, should be set aside for women entrepreneurs. And this is seen to be quite a milestone or is it a big milestone? I've got my reservations, and I'll, I'll tell you what my reservations are. Judy Nokwedi, who is a Black Business Council Women Alliance chairperson, joins us now on the line. Good afternoon, Judy. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. Uh, good afternoon, and thank you for giving us an opportunity to put our position to your listeners as the Black Business Council Women's Alliance. Thank you, Judy. So, you know, it's, it's of course noble when the president stands up and says, you know, let's make sure that 40% of procurement is done um, and, and women businesses are preferred. And that's very nice and it's noble. But I'm thinking 40%? We account for more than 50% in the country. But that's just me. What's your take? Well, yes, we are the majority in the country, and a, a bold announcement like 40% should be music to our, uh, to our ears. But, of course, the devil is always in the execution and in the implementation. Because the latest figures we have uh, tell the story that in 2018, from the central supplier database, out of the 1.2 trillion rand that was um, available for spend from a public procurement point of view, only 35 billion went to black business and we are not able to get disaggregated data in terms of out of the 35 billion that went to black business what percentage went to women so yesterday um, as we launched our women's day critical conversation uh, series we started off with our minister of cooperative governance and traditional affairs and we asked some very basic well we think it's simple basic questions what is your budget What percentage of your budget is spent on uh, women-owned businesses and what percentage of your budget goes to women beneficiaries? And despite what anyone's thoughts and views are on the minister, she's a woman who seeks no favor and no fervor. And she was very candid and upfront talking about her particular ministry. And would you like me to give you a sense of what's going on in that government department? Yes, please. So she shared with us yesterday that um, out of her allocated budget of 107 billion, it's big numbers, mm-hmm. 107 billion, 102 billion goes to provinces and local municipalities. And this is, of course, where we all experience service delivery. Because when you go and get your ID or your driver's license, you don't go to Pretoria, you go closest to where you live, Mm. whether it's in Weinberg or Midrand or wherever. So 102 billion of the 107 goes to the municipalities. Of the remaining 5 billion, 4 billion goes to community works programs. And of the remainder... 800 million goes to administration and salaries. And so this is what we, our view as the Black Business Council is, that if the public sector works, then one doesn't mind 800 million spent. But if we do not get services, then you have to ask yourself the question, why are people being paid? Mm. And what are they being paid to do? And she further went on to say that 
highly dissatisfactory to her, and she sought a a partnership with us and women's organizations to begin to correct this, that only 10%, 10% of her budget and her spend, in fact, she said less than 10% of procurement is directed at women. Mm. So that tells you the story. So when men ask me, why do we focus on women? The question is, why have the men not made it abundantly clear that we should share equally? Because if you don't have a fair society, then you have the fallout that we have at the moment. So, so let me just get this straight. Um, from what you had said earlier around the data not quite going down to the granular detail, was it that she had made it her business to find out how much goes to women? Um, that's why we have this kind of this kind of detail that t- less than ten percent going to women. Uh, was it unique to her ministry? No, it's not unique to her ministry. Uh, we. The reason we chose procurement as a lever to unlock potential economic opportunities for women and financial exclusion opportunities for women, procurement's not the only one, but it is a very important one because Mm -hmm. the state contributes between 20 and 25% to the GDP just because of procurement. So we've chosen as the Black Business Council as, as a lever or the needle that can shift the dial is, is procurement. And when the Gender Commission conducted a study looking at only four departments, they found that the monitoring, so number one, very little implementation and execution. Mm. Then coupled with that, the tracking, the monitoring and evaluation is almost non-existent. So there's almost either a deliberate or not deliberate um, omission or um, just a a, a reluctance or Mm. failure to do what is required. And and, and when you then ask further, give us the data, you cannot access the data. So when the Gender Commission, which is part of their mandate, looked at four government departments, education being one of them, health being one of them, uh, that's only four out of the, the overall government departments, we found tremendous gaps starting with lack of lack of implementation and then lack of data and if you don't have the data you can't design the proper response nor the appropriate solution. And in fact, that that's one of the problems because another then would be also red tape. So in as much as there, there's this wonderful announcement um, and, and then people are also being told and encouraged to go this route, if the red tape then still forces you out of the economy, then we've got another problem. And then you have another problem in that ordinary women in in villages and in and rural communities and informal settlements and township economies, they have no means of accessing the little that is available. So as the BBC, you know, we have four sort of uh, sorry, we have four uh, um, must-haves in terms of the way forward mm-hmm. and. Number one is it's at a policy level. We must be deliberate in our policy provision around around women's economic empowerment. Mm -hmm. We must be inclusive. That is the important word in our procurement practices. And very importantly, we must build capacity programs Mm. in rural and township economies because it is precisely, you know, if you had the capacity and you had the tools to navigate Mm. 
the instruments and the machinery, then the red tape is manageable. But if there's red tape and you do, do not even have the capacity, a simple thing like a smartphone and good connectivity, then your problem with the red tape is ex- exacerbated and the red becomes purple and then mm. the red just pushes you out mm. of, of the value chain. And the fourth component for the Black Business Council's Women's Alliance is that we must re-engineer supply chains so that we can open up the opportunities for township and village economies. <laughs> Where, you know, you have the will and you are speaking because this is something that you are, I mean, you are woman-centric anyway. Getting buy-in with all the four points that you've made um, is also quite something, you know, to get everybody to buy into the same dream. Well, uh, I I don't think the 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 buy-in is there, yeah. and when we engage, whether it's through the public sector and the private sector, there isn't a reluctance or an objection to support what we put on the table, mm-hmm. because if you were to do that, you would be in breach of so much of the regulation, and it's just not the done thing anymore. It's not... Mm. Uh, it's, 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 it, you'd be so politically unconscious mm. if you rejected what is fair and equitable and complies to, to global uh, compliance instruments and, and just from a human rights perspective. Mm-hmm. So we have the buy-in. The talk is there, mm-hmm. but it is the action that is missing, and that is why structures like us become very, very important because if you don't get in the way and if you don't stand in the way, then people will continue to do what they do. They will thieve, they will steal, they will rape, they will murder because no one is getting in their way. So the road to victory is not an easy one. We know that. And it is a relentless pursuit of justice for yeah. women and justice for all. You know, and Judy, it's a constant battle. The reason I was asking you this is one has to ask then why it's taking so long. Why do we still need monitoring and evaluation? So if we all buy into this and, and if we all bought into it, because saying something is one thing, but if you really actually implement, as you're saying, it doesn't come through then what does that say about us? So wh- where's the missing link? Where are we not able to fill in those gaps? Why do we still need to legislate further? Because that's what living in a democracy is all about. Mm-hmm. You make wins, you make gains, then you lose them. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there are so many vested interests where people are vying for their own goals and objectives. Mm-hmm. It's like, why do you buy one brand of milk and not the other? Yes. It depends on how those brands speak to you. So they always say in a democracy, those who shout the loudest often get their way. Mm-hmm. And when you're coming from areas like township and rural economies, and then you're making a a... a a plea or you are putting forward the views of the poor, the vulnerable, the marginalized, those people that many people do not even see, then we have a bigger battle in getting our issues on the table and getting the allocation 
not even the, the provision in budgets, but then the allocation of those monies to the communities that need it most. Because those budgets, and we see it every day in South Africa and across the world, that others are, 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 are circling like vultures or four-legged hyenas wanting to take the food and take the prey out of the very mouths and bellies that need it. Mm. Judy, I want to just read an SMS that's coming through here. This is from Niall, who says, the question I would respectively ask is, given the huge ongoing corruption of the ANC, no matter what money is allocated, how will it be managed? This must be explained. Is that your concern as well? I think it's everybody's concern. And COVID has brought this to to, to the center of our consciousness every single day, how money is in the state of an emergency when lives are at stake, that those without conscience and those without morality will even take a mask from the nurse that stands between your mother, your father, and if that mask is not a suitable quality mask, people die. And so the thieves and the vultures and the hyenas know no morality and have no conscience. But here is the magic, or maybe not the magic, Mm. that we can either stand by the side and allow it to continue, or we get in the way and we stay in the way. So that again, we made 10 years ago, 25 years ago, when we fought so hard for our democracy, that we say to those people, you will have your day. And my mother always said, every dog gets its day. And I like dogs, so it's unfortunate. <laughs> but every dog gets his day because in the end, justice prevails and justice wins. It's so been... we must stay in the way. And it's not just talk. It is about we have to keep talking so that our future is better than our past. Judy, those, the thing, though, I think people are feeling is that those wheels of justice are moving so slowly, so slowly. And, and, and we, we're winking and 25 years has gone past and more. And, and that's a reality. And that's unfortunately is how people are feeling at the moment. We are feeling that way, but we can't be despondent. Mm. Imagine if we just all uh, retreated to our comfortable corners, because mm. remember, only some some of us have comfortable corners. Yeah. Um, then things will not change. So it may be slower than all of us expect. But again, some of us are saying that... Um, You know, we have to ensure that the next generation has a better future and our young generation, their fight is going to be different to the fight. I'm a product of 1976, Mm -hmm. but the fight has to continue. So it may be slow, but it is better than us not wanting a change. And I always say that those who stay at home when the battle begins, these people that say it's slow and continue to lament and take their second passport and leave, Mm. those who stay at home when the battle is at its fiercest and leave others to fight for a cause must be aware that because those who did not share the fight will not sh- will share the defeat. So if you don't get involved into the ring, into the scrum, we will all be defeated. And the more of us in the scrum, the better the chances are. We brought the previous corrupt regime to an end. And unfortunately, we have a justice system that does not work as quickly as we wish. But we brought it to an end Mm. and we brought about a change. Now we've got another fight on our hands. Mm. Judy, I want you to address that young 
lady, young woman who has done what we asked her to do, get a good education, has a good education, was diligent, was an honest child, and at the moment is sitting at home with a degree and no job in sight. And, and does come from those communities you were talking about, rural, township with no connections to the big cities, with no connections in the big corporations, nobody to phone call to say, um, I'm done now, will you look at my CV closely? Not, will you pick up my CV from the trash? They don't even look at them. What would you say to that young lady? My, my, I, I am contorted with pain uh, because it's not only in the townships and in rural areas it is just across South Africa mm. that at the end of June 3 million jobs were lost an additional 3 million jobs if we do the numbers now for the end of July there are going to be more jobs mm. lost so um, in the absence of a job we need to have a safety net um, and we are talking about some form of basic grant. So at least you will be without a job, but there is a way in which you can feed yourself so that you don't die from hunger. People are dying from COVID, um, post-COVID into the reset. What are people going to die from? So um, again, as we reset and rebuild this economy, we're on day 139, and the the reality of jobs being created as quickly as they have been lost is not that easy. So the road ahead is completely bleak. And as you and I are on this call today, more people are being retrenched. So we as a country have an enormous task ahead of ourselves because if equality increases, then the crime and the violence will increase mm. as well. So to that young girl and to the young man out there who did the right thing, um, who made the right choices, protected themselves, and now have the degrees and can't find work, all I can say is hang in there and, and we have to work towards a brighter tomorrow. You know, we've been speaking over the the past couple of weeks. You've just mentioned COVID, um, young entrepreneurs, people who were really gunning for the stars, who were innovative, who are doing amazing things, who are having to shut down their businesses. And, and that concerns me. In your view, how are we going to get this economy going again? Where would you begin? We have to open up the economy. We have to go to level one. We have to open our borders. I, I'm in the tourism sector, and we've been amongst the hardest hit because we can't go to restaurants uh, the way we used to. So the restaurant uh, sector has is as good as dead. It's collapsed. Our lodges, our hotels, they are closing. Some of them will never open again. So um, I think the president, there is talk that he's going to... Uh, address us this week. I would like to see a weekly address by the president where the president talks to us about how the economy is going to be restructured and, and reopened and not just two sectors that dominate the news like tobacco and alcohol, mm. all sectors, so that we can see and work with our government and our private sector to see how we can get this economy back running as quickly as possible. Tourism is dead. One of the ways in which you're going to get that sector up and running is open the borders, allow the, the aircraft to fly in and, and, and open up uh, inter-provincial uh, travel so that we can begin to 
uh, prop up our domestic market that has always been on the back burner from a travel point of view. We've relied heavily on the international tourists. Now is the time for South Africans to sample, savor, and enjoy our amazing gems and open up the borders so that we can begin to travel, we can have leisure, and instead of going to level two, let's get to level one and let's get the country working again. Hmm. You obviously are conducting these wonderful seminars, virtual seminars at the moment with the theme Generation Equality. What's up? What's the next seminar going to, uh, who's going to be the guest number one and, and when will it be? Our next seminar is on the 21st, which is next week on Friday, and that is with the Minister of Women, Children and People with Disabilities and to see how we can work with her because she has an oversight function, uh, limited uh, resources, so how we can partner with her. And then the following week we have Minister Susulu and thereafter Minister Toko Dediza and then Patricia Delo. These are key uh, ministries that impact our lives as women and our children in communities and and they have reasonable budgets and so we want to we want to get a commitment from them like with the minister of Kochta where she explained less than 10 percent goes to women um, where they can be candid put the numbers on the table so that we can begin to track it and we can work in partnership to shift the way in which spend is occurring are you able to tell us how people can join the seminar Judy um, yes, you can uh, 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 go to Black Bee Council. That is our handle, and you will be able to access all the information as well as the website of the Black Business Council. Yes. So that is at Black Bee Council. It was lovely talking to you. Thank you very much for making the time to talk to us, Judy. Thank you so much, Pamelo. Thank you, Judy McQuady. Black Business Council Women Alliance chairperson. And so they've got a series of, of, of discussions that they've lined up, seminars, virtual seminars. And as you heard, I mean, uh, various uh, ministers will be part of it. But they're asking tough questions. They want accountability. They want real numbers to, to come through so that we all know, you know, where do we all stand with some of the th- some of the pledges, these wonderful pledges that are made publicly. Where do we stand and how do we track them? How do we monitor them? And as one, uh, SMS came through from Niall who was saying it's all good and well to make these wonderful uh, announcements and so on. How are we going to manage these pledges? How are we going to make sure that they actually come come to fruition and, and we see real people benefit from these big numbers that have been flown around? So that's, that's really the question. And so the next seminar will be on the 21st of August and it is uh, at Black Business Council Women Alliance. Um, and so go to their website. You'll be able to, to, to go through to the relevant pages where you can follow the seminars live.